Hi, I'm Roger Blackmore. I'm the lead pastor at Genesis Church on Long Island in New York. Thanks for downloading our podcast. I hope it's a blessing to you. If you want to learn a bit more about our church, then check out our website, genesisli.com. And of course, if you live within traveling distance of us, we'd love to see you in person on Sunday morning, worshiping with us. So here's today's message. Enjoy. Started with a series that we're doing for the Christmas season called Oh Holy Night, okay? Carol that we just sang, very, very famous carol. It was actually written in France in 1846. But then it became a carol that was banned because the composer walked away from the church. But despite the ban, it continued to be sung in homes throughout France. Eventually, it made its way over here to the U.S. around the turn of the 20th century, 1900. Just after that time uh, that was happening then, there was this new, well-used at that point, way of sending messages. It was the first way ever to send messages wirelessly, and it was with taps and beeps. I'm tapping on here as if you guys can hear me, but you get what I'm doing, right? So it was a way of sending messages with tapping and beeping, and that became a well-known way of sending things, messages to people, telling people things at that time. However, on Christmas Eve, 1906, Reginald Fessenden, who was a 33-year-old university professor, former chemist for Thomas Edison, did something that was long thought was impossible. And using a new type of generator, he spoke into a microphone. And for the first time ever, a voice was broadcast over the airwaves. And then during that broadcast, he read the account of Jesus' birth from Luke's gospel. Then he picked up his violin and he played O Holy Night. And O Holy Night was the first song ever broadcast over the airways. If only we had stuck with that instead of some of the stuff we're broadcasting nowadays, we might be in a better place. But that was the first song that was ever broadcast over the airwaves. So last week, Dad talked about the soul finding its worth, okay? He had those lines, then he appeared and the soul found its worth. And this week, the line that I want to concentrate on is this, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Man. 1846, this was written. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Are there ever more appropriate words for the world that we live in nowadays, right? Weary world. This world can be a tired, can be a dreary place. It's full of darkness. Morality seems to be on the decline, civility appears to have disappeared at times, although it's gonna be in full force in our parking lot next Sunday morning, right? Okay? People are more and more alienated, and so many are facing many issues. A weary world. Here's the crazy part. Almost 3,000 years ago, the prophet Isaiah described the world in similar terms. He talked about a people walking in darkness. He talked about a land of deep darkness. See, he was talking here about the period leading up to Christ's birth. That was a very, very dark, 
dark period. The Old Testament is full of amazing stories of God's people and of what happened and how God came through for them. But then the prophet Malachi has the book at the end of the Old Testament. And then what followed was about 400 years, not covered by any book in the Bible. There was no record of any other prophet at that time. And people were walking in darkness. It was a dark, dreary, weary world that they were living in. But the prophet Isaiah, right here, 9-2, foretold a great light was coming. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. He went on to explain that a little bit more. Isaiah 9-6, he says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Here's what I love about Christmas, and here is the miracle of Christmas. The light that shone in the darkness 2,000 years ago when the people were walking in darkness is the same light that still shines today. Even though we may live in a dark and dreary world, that light shines. And the thrill of hope, that promise of a glorious new morn is what we celebrate this Christmas. Hope is one of those words that is really overused, I guess, commonly used. We hope for this, we hope for that. I hope that by January 1st, I won't have gained 10 pounds, despite the fact I eat, I'm eating everything that's not nailed down. I hope it doesn't rain on such and such a day. We have all these things, I hope, I hope, I hope. But when it comes to the Bible, the biblical definition of hope is this. Confident expectation of what God has promised. I can confidently expect what God has promised. Why? Because there is one thing God cannot, cannot do. There is one thing he can't do. He can do everything we say, nothing is impossible for God except for one thing. And God cannot lie. So if God says it's gonna happen, I can confidently expect that it's gonna happen. So this morning I just wanted to look at what are some of the things we can hope for this Christmas season because of God's promises. Number one is this, hope of rest. We can confidently expect that God will give rest for the weary. I love Christmas. I love this time of the year. Until December hits, I'll be honest. October, I was all about Christmas. My Hallmark movies were starting with the Christmas movies. It was like, yes, Christmas is coming. And this is what I'm gonna do this year. And these are the plans that I'm gonna make. And this is what's happening. And then December comes. And you gotta start with the shopping. And even worse, the wrapping. And the decorating. And somebody decided we all have to bake cookies, whether we bake cookies or not. It's like a thing that you have to do. And there are the places to go, and there are all these expectations on, on us. And honestly, last week, I was just laying in bed one night, and I'm like, is it January yet? Like, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm just exhausted by it all. I'm tired by it all. Here's the crazy thing about it. So, 
shepherds in a field at night. The angels appear to them to announce the birth of Jesus. Here they are. This is the birth of the Savior. And the sky's lit up. And they start singing this song. And they say, glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Jesus came to bring us peace. There is a certain irony that we are celebrating the arrival at peace during the craziest time of the year. I often wonder, like, what is God thinking yesterday when he looked down on Smith Haven parking lot at the mall? And it's like, people, you're supposed to be celebrating peace, not killing each other to get a parking spot. God has promised peace. That was what Jesus came to bring in. Not just a seasonal item either, peace throughout the year. Going back to Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I, of course, grew up in a country with a monarchy. So in a Queen of England means, you know what? She reigns over England. Prince of Wales, Wales is his domain. Love this. Jesus came to be the Prince of Peace. He rules and reigns over peace, and he wants us to be living in that peace. He wants us to have peace no matter what is going on. That is what he wants for us. But there are steps we have to take to find that peace. There are things that we need to do. Thankfully, Jesus gave us a cheat sheet. And he gave us a cheat sheet on how it is that we can attain the peace that he wants us to have. Matthew 11, it says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Love this. Okay, so there are three things in here that I see that we need to do in order to attain the rest, the peace that God, Jesus, is promising us here. The first one is this. It says, first three words, come to me. You are never going to find peace if you are at a distance from God. You're never going to get peace if you are nowhere within the vicinity of God. And the great part about this time of the year, it is a great chance to say, you know what? I get it. I get what this season's all about. And maybe it's a time where you say, you know what? I need to repair my relationship with God. I need to stop living at a distance from Jesus. I need to be closer in relationship with him. Or it may be you've never had a relationship with him, and it's a good time of the year for you to say, you know what, I know what I need to do. I need to get closer to Jesus. For some of us, we need to get back to where we were. Maybe you've been drifting for a while, and you say, you know what, I really want peace. Here's the first step to get it. Come to me. Second thing says this, take my yoke upon you. The visual, the image here, of course, is in the old days where there would be oxen in a field, and they would work the field together, and they would have a wooden yoke over them, okay? Something that attached them together, wooden collar 
on both of them, and they would work together. The great part about that was, at no point was one doing more than the other because they are walking in tandem with each other. These two, they're carrying the load together. They're pulling the plow together. Take my yoke upon you. It may be that you have been living where you're not in tandem with God anymore. You've kind of been going off doing your own thing. And you know what? You cannot be yoked to somebody if they're going this way, and you know what? You're going perpendicular. It may be you've on a, been on a path that is completely opposite from the one that you know God wants you to be on. And this Christmas, you need peace? Here's the first step. I need to get back in lockstep with God. I need to get back with my relationship with God. I need to be attached to Him. Because you know what? When I'm over here doing my thing, and God is here, I got the whole load myself over here. I'm doing all the work. And Jesus says, I want to give you peace. I want to give you rest. If you get in step with me, guess what? I'm shouldering some of the burden for you. In fact, it's more than a 50-50 split if you're in tandem with Jesus because he's taking a load upon him. This Christmas, maybe it's time to say, you know what? I'm tired of being over here. I need to get back in line there. Learn from me. When I went to, uh, when I went to university, I, you know, the way that I learned from my professors, there was a number of ways that I, but I did that. But I would sit and I would listen to them. Had to, it was the lectures that I, that I was in. But then I'd also go and I would have conversations with them. And then, because of course all the professors' textbooks were the textbook for the class, I would read their textbooks. I would read their stuff. How do I learn from God? How do I attain peace? I chat with him, I listen to him, and then the great part is he has the best-selling textbook ever, ever, ever. I learn from him. I can read his stuff. How do we find peace? How do we find rest this Christmas? Maybe it's a, a case of coming back to God, getting closer to God, of getting in step with God, and then taking the time to listen, to chat, to read, to get to know him. And then he says, you will find rest for your souls. The great part about the Christmas season is that we can find rest for our souls. We have that hope. We have a hope that rest is going to come as we come to Jesus, as we walk in step with him, as we learn from him. Second thing that we can hope for this Christmas season is the hope of reconciliation. We have a hope of reconciliation. I can say this because my son is not home from college yet. I think he's on his way. Christmas is a time of memories. It's a time of remembering maybe things that we've done in the past. And as my son is older now and things, I kind of miss some of the memories. I miss the fact that this Christmas, chances are he will not write a letter to Santa, okay? He probably won't go with me to the mall to sit on Santa's lap, for which Santa will be much appreciative, okay? <laughs> Those who have seen my son, he's six feet five and big guy, okay? He probably, unless under duress, will not go with me with a cup of hot chocolate and drive around the houses and, and you know, check out the lights and do those things. And a gingerbread house, yeah, might not happen. Because things change, 
and seasons change, and I miss those things. I miss those things happening. In fact, I know what is going to happen later today when he gets home from school. He will walk in my house. He will drop his laundry somewhere, hopefully in the vicinity of the washing machine, but there are no guarantees of that. He will consume half of the contents of our refrigerator, and then he'll say, "I'll see you later, mom." Bye. Because by that point, his phone's buzzing with all his friends have to see him right away, and it's like. Over the next month, I'll have to cajole and say, you know what? Any chance you could just spend a little time with your mom here? Any chance you could maybe just hang out at the house for a little while? Because things change, and for those who have older kids understand a little bit about that. When Moses led the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, they became travelers for 40 years, and pretty soon after their journey began, God gave them an interesting. Instruction in Exodus 25, he said, "Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them." So they did. They made a tabernacle, which was this huge, very special tent with a pillar of cloud that rose up from the center of it. It was the holy of holies, signifying the presence of God. God wanted. To be where they were, God wanted to be with them. And here's the thing: God never changes. God is the same yesterday, today, forever. And the God who wanted to camp with the children of Israel, right there in the desert, is the God who wants to be with you and with me. The God who wanted to be there. And wanted to spend time with the Israelites is the God who came to Earth because He so desperately wanted to be with mankind. Here's the thing: life would have been totally hopeless for every single one of us if that had been up to us to get us together with God. There is no. Google Maps to get you to God. There's not even a Hagstrom for it. Okay, we have no way to get together. We had no way to bridge that gap to be with God. But God wanted to be with us. He wanted to be with this people of this dark, dreary, weary world planet that we live on. He wanted to be here. We could never do it. In fact, if we ever got within a million miles, God's holiness, of course, would just burn us up. And Christmas reminds us that knowing our hopelessness, knowing our inadequacies, knowing the way that we are not fit to be in contact with the holiest of holies, He came to us, and the ray of hope is the hope. Of reconciliation, one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible is part of the Christmas story. And in Matthew, it says, "Watch for this: a virgin will get pregnant and bear a son, and they will name him Emmanuel." And this is the part that blows me away every single time. Hebrew four: God is with us. God 
did not have to be cajoled to spend time with us. I did not have to promise a Starbucks run to get God to spend time with us. I did not say, what do you want for dinner tonight? Whatever it is, I'll make it for you so you sit down for more than five minutes. God wanted to be with us. He wanted to be, spend time with us. Knowing I was not perfect, knowing that I was just a mess, God still wanted to spend time with us and he was willing to come down from his throne, from where he was in order to do that. He put on skin. He became touchable. He became approachable. The omnipresent one downsized to the confounds of a human womb. The omnipotent one became a helpless baby that had to be fed and burped and changed. The omniscient one had to learn to read, write, etc. The God of the whole universe loves me, loves you so much, wanted to be with us so much that he humbled himself to go through what he went through so that he could do that. He became nothing. Nothing. He was born in a straw manger where usually there was food for the cattle. He did that because he wanted to be with you and with me so much. And this Christmas season, if there's nothing else to remember, it is that God loved you and loves me so much that he was willing to do that, to spend time with us. No matter who we are, no matter what we've done, no matter what anybody else says about us, no matter what we say about ourselves, he came down for you and for me. Emmanuel, God is with us. And it's not just a seasonal thing, it's an all year around thing. God is with us. This Christmas season, we have the hope of reconciliation. We know that the bridge has been gapped between us and God. Nothing I could do, nothing you could do. Could never have done it on our own. But God came down and he did that for each and every one of us. Thirdly, this Christmas season, we have the hope of resurrection. We have the hope of resurrection and we have the hope of eternal life. When Mary and Joseph took Jesus to the temple to dedicate him, they brought him to the high priest, Simeon, there. And he was very, very old, but God had promised Simeon that he would not die before he had met the Savior. And in Luke 2, um, Simeon's story is shown. It says this, Simeon was there. He took the child, Jesus, in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He has a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. See, he was ready to go now. It was done. 
He had met the Savior. He, God had kept that promise to him. And here's the thing, when you meet the Savior, not only is your life transformed, when you come into a relationship with Jesus, not only does everything change here on earth, but actually your eternity is radically altered also. Those things change for you. Now, life is full of moments. Um, you all know, some are happy, some are sad. There are moments that happen. Probably 2019 for a lot of you has been filled with a lot of moments. Some happy, some sad. Happy moments may be that birth of a baby maybe happened this year in your family. A new home, a new job, new relationships, weddings, pay raises, Christmas bonuses. There are all these moments of happiness that happen, but then there are also moments of sadness that have probably happened in 2019. We live in a more and more divided, troubled world, it would appear if you watch any kind of news. It may be that you have financial hardships that you're struggling with, maybe troubled family members, prodigal children, health issues, loss of a loved one, stress of life and work, and just all these different things that can happen. And at times, happiness can appear to be elusive. Happiness is almost like the pot at the end of the rainbow of gold. It's like, is there or isn't there? Is it here or is it not? And it may be you've asked yourself that a lot in 2019. Is happiness out there? How will I find joy? How are things going to work out? What is going to happen? What if is things are going to be good? Or maybe you've had a stellar 2019 and you're really, really excited about it and it's just been a, a great year for you. See, I believe God wants us to experience a certain amount of happiness in this life, but I don't think we will ever know what full, full happiness is while we're here on earth. Because this is only a temporary life. This, we are not sure about things, but we have a guarantee, we have a certainty, we know where we are going from here. God has something better in mind for us. Last week, Dad spoke about heaven and about how somebody had asked him, are the streets really paved with gold? And it says that in the Bible, but maybe that's because that was the best that, that they could think of. Maybe there's something better. Maybe there's a better gold, there are better gemstones, better whatever, things we've never experienced before. And happiness may fall into that category too. The most euphoric I have ever been on this planet may not actually be, be the ultimate when it comes to it. Because God has prepared for us a place where we are going to find complete joy, complete happiness. Christmas can be a sad time too because some of you sitting here today, it may be the first year that you actually you're going to be spending time at a Christmas dinner table without some loved one going to be difficult, no doubt about it, may bring back a lot of memories, but the hope of resurrection means that we can thank God that death no longer has the last word. Jesus brought the hope of eternal life. Because of his birth, because of his ultimate death, we have the promise of heaven is coming 
to us. John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Because of God's birth, because Jesus' birth, because Jesus came to earth, we have the guarantee, we know where we are going, and we know that he has prepared a place for us. Death is a scary thing, but it's not actually the end for those who are in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I grew up, of course, in a country that we didn't celebrate Thanksgiving. We don't celebrate Thanksgiving. So Christmas is huge over there. Christmas is our big holiday. It's what we celebrate, and it can be massive. And for some of you, you're going to go to some parties over this holiday season, and they're going to be completely extravagant and over the top and, and, and crazy things. But the last book of the Bible actually gives us an insight into the biggest party ever. And here is the good news about this found in the book of Revelations. It talks about what is happening up there in heaven. It's going to be the biggest party ever, and you won't need to bring a dish. You won't need to prepare anything for it. It's all taken care of for you. There's nothing you can do towards it. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. This Christmas season, we have the hope of eternal life. We have the hope of going to a place where there is no more pain, there is no more crying, there is no more wondering, there is no more sorrow. All of those things are gone. There is no more death. All of those are guaranteed for us because Jesus went before us and prepared a place for us up in heaven. There's gonna be some surprises when we get to heaven. Maybe surprising some of the people who are there, being honest. May be surprised by some of the people who aren't there. Amen. <laughs> Here is the surprise you don't want to get when you breathe your final breath on this earth that we live on. You do not want the surprise of, will I, won't I? Don't want to mess around with that. So here's what I want to encourage you this Christmas Sunday morning. Don't let whether or not you're gonna be in heaven be a surprise. In this season of hope, when we have the hope of rest, when we have the hope of reconciliation with God, when we have the hope of resurrection and an eternity with God in heaven, it's time to make a choice. God made his move, he sent his son to the lowliest of lowliest of places. He sent the baby there. He grew up on our planet. He then died and went back to heaven to make time for us. 
God made his move. And this morning, what I encourage you is this. The, mo- the ball's in your court now. It's your move now. If there is with any doubt in your mind about where you are going to be spending eternity, let me encourage you, do not walk out those barn doors until you say, you know what, it's time. I need to know what I am doing. I need to know that I am spending time with God. Or it may be this morning that, you know what, life is just turmoil for you. And this morning you sit here and you go, I just, want, I just need peace. I just need the peace of God. I just need to know his peace, him helping me, him being there with me. Come to me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. And maybe this morning you say, you know what, I just have not in 2019 been in step with God. I have not been in a relationship with God. I have not been where I should be, walking with him, going alongside him. And today, this Christmas season, you say, it's time for me to get things sorted out. It's time for me to get things squared away. It's time to me to get back to maybe you weren't where you were at one point. Or maybe it's time for you to take the next step. And the next step in your relationship with God is, you know what, as I walk through those barn doors, I'm going to go to the left, and right there, there's a sign-up sheet that says water baptism, two Sundays from now. And you know what? It's time. It's time for me to take the next step and say, you know what, God, I'm all in. I'm right there. So you know what? I'm going to take that step of water baptism and say it's time to go. A lot of choices to be made. But you know what? You don't want to mess around during this Christmas season as to where you are. You want to find peace. You want to get rest. You want to be reconciled with God. And you want to guarantee where it is that you are going when you breathe your last breath, what is going to happen to you. Growing up, I've sat under a lot of preachers due to being a preacher's kid. And a lot of times I've heard them say, what if you went out those doors and it was over? You don't even need to go out those doors. Seeing the frailty of life at any point. And this Christmas morning, I don't want to freak you out, but I do. I want you to say, you know what, this is the day where I decide I need to make peace with God, I need to get things right with God, I need to come into a relationship with God, I need to quit messing around. I know that God's way is the best way, and that's what I want for me. And that's what I want to encourage you with this morning. So as the band um, comes up, 